You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. In my lifetime, I expect to see three, four, perhaps even more women on the high court bench. Women not shaped from the same mold, but of different complexions. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of United States of Women. Woohoo! It's Elizabeth along with uh, the lovely Jessica. Hello! Who's jingling into the holidays. (laughs) (laughs) So, today we are talking about the heroic cartoonist, is what I'm calling her. Okay. The heroic cartoonist. I like cartoons. So, Jessica, you are a writer. I am. So you are probably the expert in the room of the Bechdel test. Oh, I love the Bechdel test. It is, it's it's sad that it is actually such an easy test to pass for any form of media or (laughs) fictional media, but a lot of things don't pass the Bechdel test. Um, So. So it's three basic rules. To pass the Bechdel test, all you need is in whatever it is, so whether it's a movie or a cartoon or anything, you need two women characters. Those two women characters need to talk to each other in it. And whatever they talk about, it shouldn't be about a man. It has to be. <laughs> I mean, like this about, really yeah. hard, Jessica. We do not do this on a weekly basis in this podcast at all. I mean, no, right? So we pass the Bechdel test. <laughs> I would hope so. But again, a lot of fictional works don't. And it's sort of just, it came out, I don't know a lot about the history of it, but I know it's just basically a way to prove that, hey, yeah, um, you guys don't do a very good job at representing what females are actually like in media. In fact, one of my favorite movies um, fails the Bechdel test, which would be Star Wars. The entire original trilogy fails the Bechdel (laughs) test. (laughs) Correct. So the Bechdel test, we should mention the fact that it is... Strictly for fictional writing. It is not yes. for non-fictional writing. Um, <clears throat> sometimes the requirement that both women be named characters is added. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's an additional one. And according to user-edited databases, for what those are worth, and the media industry press... About half of all films meet this criteria. So only about 50% of yeah. the known entertainment universe has two female characters that have a conversation with each other about something other than a man. Yeah. <laughs> Which is painful. Um, so the original thought process um, actually came about in by Virginia Woolf in her 1929 essay, A Room of One's Own, which okay. made the observation that, the, the quote is this, all these relationships between women, I thought, rapidly recalling the splendid gallery of fictitious women are too simple 
and I tried to remember any case in the course of my reading where two women are represented as friends. They are now and then mothers and daughters, but almost without exception, they are shown in their relation to men. It was, a, it was strange to think that all the great women of fiction were, until Jane Austen's day, not only seen by the other sex, but seen only in relation to the other sex, and how spar, small part, a part of a woman's life that is. So that's the that's the backbone behind the Bechdel test. So the Bechdel test was created by and is named for Alison Bechdel, who is an American cartoonist. So Ooh. she is yeah. So it first appeared in her 1985 comic strip Dykes to Watch Out For in a strip titled The Rule. Um, And it portrays, it's highly entertaining. Um, Maybe Jessica will have you put it up on social media. But it's two women talking. And it's just one of them says to the other, I only go to see a movie if it satisfies three basic requirements. One, it has to have at least two women in it who, two, talk to each other about, three, something besides a man. It's a pretty strict idea, but a good one. No kidding, the last movie I was was able to see was Alien. Ooh. Ah. Alien does satisfy the Bechdel test. (laughs) It does. Fun thing, though, about Alien was it almost didn't, because the lead role was not supposed to go to a woman originally, but they casted... But they cast cast a, they cast <laughs> Sigourney Weaver instead, and I feel like it made the movie really. Oh, but, definitely, definitely. Yeah. So, Alison Bechtel is the star of tonight's episode, and she was born in September tenth, nineteen sixty. So mm-hmm. we're jumping way far ahead. In yeah. the timeline from the last time around. But I did it on purpose. She was born in Lock Haven, Pennsylvania. She was the daughter of Helen Augusta and Bruce Allen Bechtel. They were, she was raised Roman Catholic. All right. Okay. And her father was an army veteran who was stationed in West Germany during World War II. This feels like a very strict household. And he and her mother were both high school English teachers. Her mother was also an amateur actress. Okay. Oh, okay. Not so strict. This is interesting. I like it. Yeah. So she was, so she lived and grew up in Lock Haven, Pennsylvania, which is a town of about 700. So it's tiny. <laughs> Yeah. He's teeny tiny. He's teeny tiny. It's, you know, everybody teeny tiny. Yep. So in 1981, she moved to Manhattan to apply to several art schools. All right. Because she had, um, she graduated high school a year early and earned her AA from Bard's College uh, in studio arts and art history. Mm. So then she moves to Manhattan, the big city, very different yep. from her life. Yeah. Applies to a 
bunch of art schools, but was unfortunately rejected. Yeah, that's that's so, the city for you. That's the city. So, and that's art school. Um, <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> but she ended up working office jobs in the publishing industry. So she didn't get too far off course. And just a little while later, she, just a couple of years, she began to draw and write Dykes to Watch Out For, which is her best known cartoon strip. Hmm. So she drew the first one um, that was labeled Marianne dissatisfied with, dissatisfied with the Morning Brew, Dykes to Watch Out For. Plate, no. <laughs> so one of her acquaintances recommended that she send her work to Woman News, which, was, which is a feminist newspaper, which published okay. her first work in its June 1983 issue. Mm. She then gradually moved from her early... So she initially did single panels only. And then she started to do multi-paneled strips, which is how we get in 1985. We end up with the actual Bechtel test cartoon. Bechtel test, okay. Mm -hmm. Um, the first years of her cartoon dealt with completely separate characters, issues. They were not related at all to each other. Um, there was no regular cast, no serialized storyline. The structure eventually evolved into mm -hmm. um, mostly lesbian characters. And okay. she kind of set up a group. So starting in about 1987... Um, her main character became Mo and her group of friends uh, while living set in St. Paul, Minnesota. Oh, okay. Okay. And then in 1988, she started a very short-lived, she attempted to do a full page-length cartoon series. Oh. Wow. Which is very hard to do. Um, yeah. <laughs> It's because it, that's a weird length. Like you, you don't get the short little snippets that you get to do from just like a strip or a single yeah. panel, but you don't yeah. get to build a storyline like you do in a graphic novel. So no, um, unless it's like a week to week progressing story, but yeah, that'd still be difficult. Because the whole thing about a strip is it's basically it's basically like telling a joke. Like you you have the setup, and then you have like the stinger, and then you you know, everybody laughs kind of thing. So yeah, within four panels, an entire page, like how many panels would that even be? Two. I'd say you get probably about four panels in a page, uh, across a, across a page and you probably get four to five down. So yeah. you're looking at 20, it's like 20. Yeah. That's probably about 20. Um, that's a lot. Yeah. Might as well just do a graphic a novel at that point. Yeah. So, in 2006, Alison mm -hmm. Bechtel wrote a, a graphic memoir entitled Fun Home. 
it's a pretty so gonna give I guess a, a flag here mm-hmm. warning um, so fun home is a comic strip or a comic that tells a story of how it's it's autobiographical um, it okay. tells a story about how her father was home actually a closeted homosexual and when she came oh. out as a lesbian killed himself oh no yeah so it was tough yeah that's a that's a tough one um and yeah, yeah. so and in fact um she returned to see a. She returned to her hometown to see a production of a musical mm-hmm. based on her graphic memoir in the theater oh, that her mom used to act in. Perform in. Oh, that's just. I don't know if I could do that myself. That's. That's like just public display of your own like trauma and yeah. That's... So in in a news article um for the Guardian uh mm-hmm. done by Rachel Cook she interviews Bechtel about going home to see that play mm-hmm. and um Bechtel discusses how she, you know, was Concerned because there were a lot of people that when she originally wrote the memoir mm-hmm. thought it was terrible, you know, thought it was a terrible idea that it dishonored her family, so on and so forth. Um, and I think, I guess I need to correct myself. She wrote it in the 19, late 1980s. She saw the play in 2006. So, oh, okay. Correcting right. myself. I've got too many dates on my page. <laughs> Um, but she thought that, so people had expressed that it dishonored her family. Um, but when Mm -hmm. she went back to see the play, the quote that Cook captures here was, there was this great warmth that I just hadn't expected. I had thought I was going back to 1977, but the place has changed. It's evolved. Hmm. So, um, Allison, I mean, go ahead. I mean, I suppose it'd be kind of sort of like, she was probably one of the people that sort of helped lead the way to more open understanding about homosexuality in a time where a lot of people were against it for religious reasons. I mean, especially since she grew up Roman Catholic and then Mm -hmm. also just because of the AIDS pandemic, there was a lot of hate towards homosexuality at the end of the eighties. And so it just, I imagine seeing the changes in her hometown was probably actually a good thing for her to see that it was good for her to talk about it, to show, you know, this, it should never be like this again, basically. I suppose. So I'm trying to say, (laughs) no, exactly. Exactly. So, but Bechtel talks about um, 
the fact that, you know, she wrote that at a very certain point in her life and that she is now hoping to move forward from it, basically yeah. kind of kind of grow and grow beyond it. Um, in 2012, Bechtel was a Mellon Residential Fellow for the Arts and Practice at the Richard and Mary L. Gary Cent- Gray Center at the University mm. of Chicago and co-taught a class with Professor Hilary Shute uh, entitled Lines of Transmission, Comics and Autobiography. So because recently she has switched more to those autobiographical comic strips mm-hmm. of her life. And in 2014, she posted a comic strip based on her fun home, the musical, after, uh, and then after Donald Trump's election, she posted three new episodes of Dykes <laughs> to Watch Out For called Peace de Resistance, Postcards from the Edge, and Things Fall Apart. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, as of right now, Bechtel works or lives in Bolton, Vermont, working for Ooh. the Vermont-based Alternative Weekly uh, called uh, Seven Days is the name. Hi. So Fun Home is her obviously most well-known. Uh, she also wrote Are You My Mother? Uh, in which the storyline... Go ahead. The llama one that keeps on asking other... I know that title. It's a kid's book, isn't it? Well, so it's... um, uh, No, it is not the... Hers is not the llama book. But there is a... I know there's a llama book that you... I know the one you're talking about. (gasps) But no, this is... (laughs) I got kids' books in my head, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, so this one, she's got, so it deals with phone conversations with her mom all the way oh. now, um, memories of interactions with her mom throughout her life, therapy sessions about her mom, <laughs> and historical portrayals of like Donald Winnicott and Virginia Woolf spliced together. And then there's some Sigmund Freud thrown in there. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) At least according to the articles. Uh, Wow. Yeah. So She really is all about bearing it all, isn't she, in her writing? She is. She is. I wonder if it's sort of a therapeutic thing for her in a way. Probably. I would imagine. I feel like isn't most art relatively therapeutic? Yeah. Still, like, a lot of artists can also be fairly, like, my art is separate from me, <laughs> where she's just sort of like, this is me. <laughs> Here it is, Here laying go. on the platter. Here's therapy sessions about my mother. Like, that's pretty intense. Yeah. <laughs> so she's married to Holly Ray Taylor. She was previously married to Amy Rubin. And so Holly Ray Taylor and Amy Bechtel got married in July 2015. And they own a female, a female cat named Donald. Named uh-huh. after Donald Winnicott. All right. <laughs> so those are... That's Alison Bechtel. Oh, uh, 
some of her awards because I should not I should not forgo that. Uh, Time Magazine listed Fun Home as one of its best ten books of two thousand six. Eisner she received the Eisner Award for best reality based work in two thousand seven. She won the Israel Fisherman Nonfiction Award from the Stonewall Book Book Awards in two thousand seven. The Gingham Fellowship in 2012, the Inkpot mm. Award in 2012, Ooh. the Bill Whitehead Award for Lifetime Achievement from Publishing Triangle in 2012, the MacArthur Fellowship in 2014, and most recently she was inducted into, into the Harvey, Harvey, Hall, Harvey Awards Hall of Fame Whew. at the New York Comic Con <laughs> in 2019. All right, that was one, that one was a mouthful. That's like a the Harvey Awards Hall of Fame. That's really hard to say. Harvey Awards sounds so familiar. Okay, Harvey Kurtzman, yes. the cartoonist. Yes. Yeah. Okay, God, it's like <laughs> that sounds familiar. Why does Harvey and cartooning sound so familiar? Yeah. So I mean, and I would be curious to see. Like when she did the comic strip, mm-hmm. what the data would have shown the proportion of films to have passed the Bechtel test then versus now. Like, I wonder if it's like stagnant, increased slightly. I mean, it's probably like gone up and down over the decades. But yeah, I, I want to say, because I know the test a lot more than I know anything about where the test came from. I think I heard it came from a car- cartoonist, but. I never, let's see, films. I mean, and if, see if I can do a, a quick search to see how many films in 2019 actually passed the Bechdel I mean, test. And if she's such a fan of uh, Virginia Woolf, it makes sense knowing that the Bechdel test really kind mm-hmm. of starts with Virginia Woolf's observations. Quite a few passed it in 2019, actually. Oh, good. So, but it's not, it's, it's like, not a like, hard passing, test. <laughs> it's a not hard. Like, all Star Wars had to do was have Leia, General Leia, talk to General Mon Mothma, like, once. Like, that's all it yeah. had to do. But there never was. <laughs> It's not possible. And then people don't even know who Mon Mothma's name is anyway, which is another issue because Mon Mothma's cool. But, like, <laughs> like, that's all. Like, the newer Star Wars films do pass it. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, the new ones pass it because Ray talks to Leia in The Force Awakens and mm-hmm. Ray. About something other than Luke or Ben? Kylo Ren? Yeah, because it's about. I think. Oh, I don't know. Oh, crap. Does it? (laughs) (laughs) You may have to Google that one. I know. I may need to Google that one. Oh, gosh. It does look like a lot of films did pass it. Oh, Spider-Man did. Avengers passes it, of course, because it had all the girls in it. Like, there was no way it couldn't pass it. But, like, does Guardians of the Galaxy pass it? (laughs) I don't think so. Because no, whenever not, Gamora and Nebula would talk about either their dad, Thanos, yeah, <laughs> or wanting to kill each other, which just 
I mean, but if they're talking about wanting to kill each other, that's not talking about a man. But they're talking about wanting to kill each other because their dad literally pinned them against True. each other since like childhood. So, so I don't, I don't know doesn't. if I would consider it a win. But it is, it's incredibly easy to pass. But I think a lot of movies don't pass it. Yeah, because no, exactly. But it's like a lot of like rom com movies in which if the women are talking to each other, they're generally talking about guys oh, yeah. in it because it's a rom com or like an action flick in which there's only like one female character. And she's not allowed to talk to any other female character. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, nobody wants to see that, clearly. Yeah, nobody, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> but you could even have good representation and not pass the Bechdel test. Yeah. Like, it's just, <laughs> like, like I, you can I have curious. a lot of female characters. Yeah. I'm seriously <laughs> curious if The Force Awakens does pass. I want to look it up. I was going to say, you should look it up. Like, it already knows that's what I'm looking for because Google is so smart. While you're looking it up, dear listeners, uh, today... Oh, Maz talks to Ray about the Force. Okay. There we go. So, there's that. It passes. So, I guess it does pass. (laughs) Yes. I forgot about Maz. I'm glad it passes. (laughs) Yes. I'm so glad it passes. All right. So, the citations for this week's episode, as per usual... The lovely Wikipedia does gives a great jump-off point. Um, there's also a very good uh, entry in the Britannica Encyclopedia about Alison Bechtel. And then the New Yorker, uh, Judith Thurman, did an article on her in 2012 that was pretty awesome. And then... Uh, her own uh, website, dykestowatchoutfor.com, obviously has some good information in their about page from her. And then, as discussed earlier, the Guardian's uh, Rachel Cook's article, Fun Home Creator Allison Bechtel on Turning a Tragic Childhood into a Hit Musical. Mm. Wow. I don't think I was close enough to my microphone. I'm not sure any of the audio picked that up, but that's okay. Uh, I heard it. Oh, good. Hopefully. (laughs) So, Jessica, where can people find you at to discuss Star Wars and the Bechdel test? Ah, I love discussing that. Also, anybody else notice how much better female representation is in Star Wars now? Yay! (laughs) (laughs) You can reach me on Twitter as at jmbaileywrites. Awesome. And you can reach me with the rest of Geek Elite Media at Geek Elite Media and our Facebook page forward slash Geek Elite Media. If you're interested in Star Wars, the Geeks Watch is currently watching The Mandalorian. So also mm-hmm. feel free to jump over and listen to that podcast. You can find this podcast, that podcast, and other podcasts on our website at geekelitemedia.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe. We are always looking for more viewers, and if you have a few dollars this holiday season and can give to our Patreon page, it would be greatly appreciated. But this is the United States of Women from the Geek Elite Media Network saying, always remember to geek out. Geek out. (laughs) This concludes our broadcast. Beep.